Hello, and welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth. I am the Resident Youth. What's your name, Resident Youth? Maddie Ergy. I always forget. Whoops, I know. Easy. Not your name. but It's not Maggie name. for those people who not- shall not be named. Yeah. We have to be nice to them because they're going to be future guests. I know. They're, um, they're and- very nice guys. And Maddie does sound like Maggie, but still, I wrote it down and I told them in person. It's fine. Whatever. Rude. Um, and I'm Camp Adulthood, Shay Keith. Excellent. This is our first episode, just the two of us, since our inception. Mm-hmm. And it's the first time we've recorded in several weeks, or in, yeah, in several weeks. So I'm super excited. I'm almost like so excited I don't know what to do with myself. And I'm being a bit dorky, like I've never done a podcast before, instead of doing it multiple times. We are so used to recording a bunch of stuff in very quick succession, which is going to happen in a few weeks when we do record a Palooza, but it's nice when we have these little interclary chats. Mm-hmm. So Maddie, tell me what's been going on in your life, as if I didn't talk to you like three days oh, ago. Oh gosh, I know. Um, tell our internet listeners what's been going on in your life. I don't know. Well, I didn't get the job that I applied for, which I think we talked about the last time we recorded via Skype with Amy, which was yes. sad. So you are still in office plankton for a large bank. I am still in office plankton, and it's fine. It's just not what I want to be doing forever. And I think I could take my talents elsewhere, you know, and have a better quality of life. And I really found this job that I thought I was very qualified for, and I thought they really liked me, and everything was going well. And I went through, like, four rounds of interviews and didn't get any negative feedback whatsoever, And then they waited three weeks and there was all this stuff because the other candidate was in Houston during the hurricane, which like, that's horrible. And so they were just not being very responsive at all. And then they finally gave me this kind of generic bullshit email that was like, you didn't get the job. You're not what we're looking for. It's not you. It's me kind of breakup email. So that was disappointing, but on to bigger and better things, I suppose. I think this whole like, job search is a very relevant topic for us both um and kind of how maddie and i as millennials on either end of the spectrum have dealt with um looking for employment and kind of what that's like because i have maddie has told me that i have ptsd from having my first kind of growing up experience applying for jobs was at the top of the recession at the height of the recession so i'm now also, fun fact, internet listeners, I've moved to the West Coast officially. Maddie, surprise, I'm officially moving to Portland, Oregon. I'm not surprised about that at all. I knew I you know. would love it. Everyone goes there and says it's like it's the greatest rainy. thing. Even though it was on fire, I still loved it. Um, and I'm applying for jobs again. And it is like, I hate it. I hate it so much. I hate it so yeah. much. See, I feel like you and I need to have like a happy medium because I feel like you have PTSD because you got rejected so much in 2008. I feel like I have the opposite problem because I've applied to one place in a really, you know, I've had other jobs like odds and ends things here Mm -hmm. and there in college, but the one really professional job that I've had to apply for and, you know, get on my own is the place that I currently work. And I interviewed there three years ago at this point, over three years ago, probably. And that's the one and only interview, really, I've ever had. So um, I'm used to going into interviews and getting positive feedback and then getting the job. So when I don't Mm. get the job, I'm like, I'm the shit. I should get this job. And it's like, well, no, most people apply for a bunch of jobs and then get one. And that's the normal thing. So I feel like normal is kind of between your experience and my experience. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's just. I love interviews. I hate everything that comes before interviews. I would interview all day, every day. Um, But yeah, it's, we need to find a happy medium. Who, any millennials who just apply for jobs and have a normal reaction to them, please email us because we would like to talk to you. I mean, I think I had a normal reaction. It's just... I feel like my expectations were too high. Like, I think I reacted in, like, like, I was disappointed, you know? I think disappointment is a normal 
emotion. You know, yeah. I, I really wanted the job and I didn't get it. So I was disappointed. But I think mm-hmm. I think my emotions were fine. It was just my expectations were too high. I was like, if yeah. I meet all the job qualifications, I do all the interviews, I get positive feedback. I must get the job like there's no way I'm not going to get it. And then yeah. I asked them for feedback and they were just kind of like, well, this other person was a better fit. And it's like that could mean anything. Right. And they don't they have no obligation to tell me, you know, so. Yeah, I think that's more of where I'm at is just gauging my expectations and realizing that it could have been like the shoes I was wearing at the interview or it could be something as silly as that all the way up to I asked for too much money or you know there was a specific project that this other person worked on that I hadn't worked on you know it could be anything so it's not worth feedback is not productive right exactly so that's where I'm at I don't know that's pretty much it just working cool all that kind of stuff what about you uh, well, like I said, I've been driving across the country. I'm currently in Los Angeles, which is lovely. I always love being here, even though I don't particularly ever want to live here again. Um, I've been having a good time. I, as I said, moving next month to Portland, Oregon, currently applying for jobs, working on some projects, one of them being this very exciting podcast that we are bringing to your ears as we speak. Um, But I have to say driving cross country, it's the second time I've done the full thing. I've driven from like the middle of the country to the West Coast a couple additional times. Um, But I know it was interesting. It's always interesting to do it and to see the scope of our our great nation, Um, especially I think in light of our current political climate, um, because I definitely ran into both friends and strangers who were on all sides of the political spectrum. Um, summertime is really beautiful until you hit Nebraska. Sorry, everyone that lives in Nebraska. Your state's not cute. Um, rest of the country looks awesome. I can't think what else is really interesting. In Arizona, at the rest stops, they have signs that say, watch out for poisonous rattlesnakes. Did not appreciate that. Wow. Uh, terrified me I've never been to Uh, Nebraska either so this is all news to me yeah it's real um yeah so it was really fun but one thing I really enjoyed when I was driving cross country is I got to listen to some new podcasts that I hadn't listened to before uh, as well as make it through pretty much all of my favorite murder which mildly terrifies me that I like binged like a hundred hours of my favorite murder over the past like three months, but that's relevant. But my two current favorites that I wanted to share with our internet listeners is um, Anna Ferris's, uh, her podcast Unqualified. And what I really like about it, if you're not currently listening to it, is she brings, she, because she is a big time celebrity herself, she's able to get big time celebrities as her guests. And I really appreciate the way she talks to them in a way that's super intimate, but not revealing. So they come on and it sounds like they're having this really great chat and you're learning and you're really kind of getting to the heart of this person, but it's not like Anna is asking them. So tell me about your boyfriend, Mr. Hollywood movie star. That's Um, my interview style. (laughs) I have that market cornered. Well, listen to Anna and then you can get some tips. Um, but she'll ask these questions that are, some of them are totally ridiculous, but they kind of get to the heart of the person. And I really, I really appreciated that. And then the other podcast I'm cracking up over, um, is this podcast called teen creeps. And I cannot remember the name of the hosts because I am bad note taker and I didn't look it up and put it on the website. Right now, Lindsay K. Ty and I can't remember the other girl. I'm so bad. Um, so do you look it up? I guess I could look it up right now and then we can make Jenny edit this out. Me being an idiot. Uh, uh, or we'll leave it in. I mean, I while you're looking that up, I've heard really great things about Anna Ferris's podcast. I know producer Jenny has listened to it and speaks very highly of it. And the uh, the other one that you mentioned, we were talking a little bit about it off mic, and it sounds really funny, kind of in a s- similar vein to My Dad Wrote a Porno, which is a fan exactly. favorite. Oh, so their website isn't working, but it's Kelly Nugent is the other name. 
other uh, hosts. And she's also a uh, comedian as well as Lindsay Katai. And they basically read like 90s pulp YA fiction. So it's like R.L. Stein and Goosebumps, which is also Goosebumps, um, and Fear Street. Uh, Monica Hugh, Diane Ho, Lois Duncan, L.J. Smith. So Maddie may be a bit young for these, um, but it's hilarious because I totally remember reading all of these and thinking to myself, oh, my God, my mom would actually die if she knew what I was reading right now because they're pretty violent and super sexist, most of these books. So I just would highly recommend it. And um, I... I really like it. And Lindsay and Kelly, if you're listening, we'd love for you to come on the podcast and you may get a creepy message from me on Instagram. Um, Anyway, so that's my uh, monologue about other podcasts that I like. Maddie, have you been listening to any good podcasts lately? Oh, yeah. Let's see. I'm pulling I'm pulling it up because putting me on the spot. Well, I'll just I'll just run through. I won't give as detailed, nice descriptions as you gave about Anna Ferris's podcast. But in case people are wondering and want to think about Anna Ferris that's a little inappropriate I love her voice and it makes I would go lesbian for her voice she it's does so have a really good. nice voice it's so good well now that I she's single it. you know well, maybe I could huh. yeah well, so right, I my personal favorites I'll just pick a few uh who weekly is a great one with uh Bobby and Lindsay and it's two people and they break down celebrity culture into who's and them's. Them's are people that everyone knows, like Angelina Jolie and Tom Cruise, those types of celebrities. And then uh, who's are people that when you read about them in a magazine, their bios are kind of qualified. So it'll be like, who's a good who? Like Rachel Lindsay from The Bachelor. It'll be like Rachel, contestant on The Bachelor, like no one knows who she is unless you say where she's from. And if you were to say Rachel Lindsay, the other person would be like, who is that? So they, they only talk about who's. I like it. Yeah, it's really funny. So there's that. Um, I also listened to two Bachelor podcasts, Here to Make Friends, and the Ben and Ashley I Almost Famous podcast for all my Bachelor fans out there. And then a lot of the podcasts I listen to are politics podcasts, which might not be super accessible for everyone, but they're really funny. I really like the Crooked Media universe, so Pod Save America, Pod Save the World, Love It or Leave It with friends like these, and Pod Save the People. I listen to all of those. Pod Save America is like the flagship one, and it's three dudes who were former speechwriters and communications people for Obama, and they formed this um, media company, and they produce all these different podcasts with slightly different sort of um audiences and stuff and they interview a lot of political people and they're really funny that's why I like it most of the podcasts that I listen to are funny so there's that I listen to zero blog 30 which is a military podcast and then my favorite podcast of all time is guys we fucked which is not a surprise to anyone obsessed very obsessed So we're going to dive into our millennial moments of the week. Shay, would you like to begin? I would love to begin. So I feel like today I just had a very millennial day, just from start to finish. Um, First of all, you could say I'm currently living at my parents' house because I'm in the middle of this move. So I woke (laughs) up in the spare bedroom at my parents' house. I worked on a freelance project for like an hour. Then I had to take my dog because millennials love their dogs and plants apparently as well. I recently read in an interesting article uh, more than human babies. So I had to take my dog to her new doggy daycare that I'm using occasionally while I'm here for a temperament test in case she was too mean to the other puppies. Spoiler alert, she passed her test, so we can use daycare. Oh, how sweet. It was very exciting. Actually, they said, they told me that she was afraid of the other puppies, and I was like, are you sure that's my dog? Because that's not really her shtick. But, um, so I did that, but then when it really gets, this actually could be called both a millennial moment and a New Yorker moment, 
Um, I had to go to the Apple store because last week I smashed up uh, the screen on my phone, which is highly annoying. And I get more annoyed than the normal person when I do that because I've never done it before. Um, but whatever, you know, I'm responsible. So I like have this insurance and I go to like get the screen fixed, but I couldn't get in because the stupid new iPhones came out and the new iOS system. So the line and everything was like crazy. And I had That's to wait so a week. annoying. It was so annoying. I had to wait a week to even get into the iPhone store. And then when I get in to have them fix it, they're like, our machine isn't working because we're updating the software. And I was very annoyed and womp womp. I, a little millennial fit in the middle of the Apple store. And then I walked out of the Apple store and had Froyo and then my phone stopped working. So I walked back in and made the girl fix it. And then she fixed it. And then I decided I didn't care that I had Froyo. I also wanted to have Chipotle because I'm trash bag. So I went and got Chipotle for lunch and then I picked up my dog and then I came home and worked. That sounds like a delightful day, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't so bad. I mean, I think it it highlights a lot of millennial stereotypes with the Chipotle and the Apple store. But you know what? Sometimes stereotypes hold true to a certain extent, just a little bit. I'm just a basic bitch and I can't feel bad about it. So at least I wasn't wearing Ugg boots when I did it all, right? I mean, it's true. And I'm very normal sandals they kind of looked like mom sandals so yeah so that was my week yeah how about you well last week i was at leadership academy yeah so for all the kappas listening if you're an alum especially or you're graduating soon and you're going to be an alum definitely go to leadership academy um it's worth it a lot of people don't know that alums can go and Usually they don't have enough people in the lottery to even do a lottery. So if you're an alum, like you're pretty much automatically guaranteed to get in. And it's totally worth it. It was awesome for people not in Kappa or just people that are interested. It's um, a leadership conference in Marengo, Ohio, which is in the middle of bumfuck nowhere, Ohio. It's like an hour outside of Columbus, but it's lovely. Lots of fields and woods and stuff. And it's at this sort of family camp and it's kappas of all generations so it's one active from every chapter in the country and then it's about 80 to 100 alum and then they have a lot of alum from headquarters and the foundation and all of the small group facilitators are alums and you basically go through this curriculum for three days that teaches you about leadership and you do a lot of different activities you do some hikes there was like a zip line and the food is really good Yeah, there was a lot of, like, outdoorsy stuff. Like, we did songs around the campfire. Like, you know, it was good. Um, But there's a lot of... Millennial kept coming up a lot, especially because the theme, kind of why Leadership Academy is special, is because it's not just for college students. And, like, I'm a young alum, but there were women who were, you know, in our small groups. Like, we had one woman in our small group who was in her fifties and she had just taken her daughter, her youngest daughter to school to college. So, um, and then there were women that were older than that in their sixties and seventies who were were retired and Cava really prides itself on bringing together all of these different generations to kind of learn from each other and learn this curriculum and show that teamwork and leadership can cross those generational boundaries and I really loved it. I love hanging out with the old lady Kappas. It's like my favorite activity. It's why I like Fair going lot. to convention and, you know, all the leadership stuff. But um, the first thing that happened, so we were staying in these bunk rooms and I was in the, the alum bunk, but of course I'm on the, the younger side. And there's this woman, Luann, who I love. She is Luann. like, yeah, she's like, she has really short red hair, kind of like, she kind of reminded me of red from Orange is the New Black you're looking for a picture in your mind's eye that's the visual i've got it yeah and she she's she went to university of north dakota she's like super into kappa um it's her first time at leadership academy and my favorite thing just before i get into the story not to be too long-winded but she told a story of we were like going around our little bunk room there were maybe eight of us and we were all saying like what we do for a living and 
kind of giving our background and stuff and Luann was like well I'm a professional consumer and wine filter filtration and we were all kind of like what and she was like I'm retired I go shopping and drink wine for a living and we were like okay we got you Luann <laughs> this is hilarious so she's very like blunt she was telling us all about her life and all about her son her grandkids and her life she lives in Colorado and stuff and she brought up her grandson who's 23 so he's my age and she was like, I had to kick him out, and now he's homeless, and he's living in his car. And we were like, oh, no, like, what did he do? And she was like, he smoked too much pot, and mm. he got upset because he worked at Target for six months. And at places like that, like Target and other real t- retailers, they'll tell you, like, oh, if you work for them for a quarter or something, you're eligible for a raise, like a quarter or something per hour, you know, nothing crazy, but... You know, they want to incentivize people to stay. And I guess he got mad that he didn't get his quarter raise at the end of being there for six months. And he got really upset and he left the job. And Mm. I guess according to Luann, he just started. They live in Colorado, so it's legal. He was like smoking a bunch of pot and he was really unmotivated. And she was like, you have to get a job. And also you had a job and you chose to leave because you felt that they weren't paying you enough money. And Mm -hmm. she was basically like he's a stupid millennial who's entitled and I have no patience for it, which like yeah. in the context of that story, I agree with her. He is objectively a millennial and he is objectively lazy. The two are not necessarily correlated, <laughs> but yeah. in Luann's mind, like, of course this guy is kind of a piece of shit. Like you don't, the first rule of like a job, unless you're being harassed or like threatened in some way, you don't leave a job unless you have another job lined up, like, mm-hmm. un- or, you know, Let's something's get- happening. Well, you're moving. Like, if I left my job (laughs) and you're not, like, being a burden on other people, you know? Like, if I left my job. Dollars. Exactly. You can save money so you have the luxury of quitting your job and stuff. But, you know, if you're working at Target, assuming you're probably not going to have that great of savings and stuff. So Mm -hmm. she told that story. And then someone else who was, like, maybe 25, so, like, not that much older, piped up. And she was, like... Oh, I have all these college graduates who are coming into my office. She works at PwC. And she was like, I have all these college graduates coming into my office and working for me. And they're so lazy and unmotivated. And they just don't know what work ethic is. And so this woman and Luann were just like going at each other about how shitty millennials were for like 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, does this girl not realize that A, she is a millennial? Like she was definitely in her mid-20s just from subsequent conversations I had with her I know how old she is Mm -hmm. and I was like have you ever stopped to think about the fact that like there are many people who are close to retirement who are also not super motivated to continuing to do a good job because they know that they're close to retirement Mm -hmm. and b maybe you know people think that they get a pass if they if a millennial lives up to that stereotype of being lazy and entitled it's used as more of a data point than, you know, if you see a lazy person from another generation. No one says maybe it's because they're not the use. And this is why it harkens back to my theory, which is not unique to me in any way. But we talked a little bit about it when my parents were on that the the critiques of millennials are really just the critiques of youth in general. Yeah. yeah. And the things that Luann is talking about, you know, brought painting a broad brush about a generation based on her grandson is exactly what the greatest generation did with the boomers, which is her generation that she's a part of. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I think it's really interesting. And Maddie, I don't know if you're getting this now that people kind of know that we're doing this podcast, but like, um, so like this weekend, a family member of mine who shall not be named, um, was starting to do this exact thing and be like, well, all these millennials that I, that come in my office and they're my juniors and da, 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 da. And then he goes, but I know you have that podcast about millennials. Like, you know, there is nothing good to say. And that again, they're making these generalizations. And I think, again, we have to be really careful. And I think that's partly why we're doing this. Cause sometimes I was, I was thinking, I was like, we are creating all this content and it's super interesting. And we're talking a lot about current events. And I'm like, Ooh, are we turning people off? Because, we're very clear that this is a podcast about being a millennial. And then I was like, 
you know what, self, fuck that, because this is an important topic and we're going to talk about it and we need, you know, this is yeah. the work that we're doing. Well, it's here. like the the conceit not to, you know, get too navel gazing with it, but the, the conceit... The conceit of the podcast is that is the friendship between you and I. Like, that's the number one thing. Yeah. Right? So that's number one. Number two is the millennial thing. I don't think if we had a podcast. What if I was like, Maddie, let's change the podcast to Shay and Maddie's Friendship Palooza. I mean, I think really then we'll we'll probably lose our 21 Twitter followers. I know. I know. Anyway, go on. Friendship Palooza. Yeah, I think I think that's what makes it special. And I think that if we weren't millennials and we weren't at this place in time, we probably wouldn't be friends the way that we are and yeah, things like that. So, well, And I think also in these older people who are so willing to, because they're so willing to dismiss millennials in the way that they do, they really, and not so much Luann and her grandson, because that sounds like a family issue, but this other lady who... And I see it all the time who want to do this in the workplace. I think they're missing a really important teaching opportunity. And again, that's just from my own experience as a mentor and running internship programs is like, you have to understand that, yeah, people are coming in and any employee, like with any employee, you have to figure out how to motivate them. And yes, you're going to have lazy people and you're going to have people that are going to be upset or quit for a stupid reason or be lazy, but you have to figure out how to motivate them. And it's your job as a manager to get your subordinates or your younger employees to do their best work. And if you brush everything off and say, there's nothing I can do because they're just a millennial, you're really missing this amazing cultivation opportunity. My dad talked a lot about that on the episode Mm -hmm. he was on. And I think hearkening back to that too, kind of taking responsibility not only in the way of motivating people in the workplace but you know why why is it you know I'm just thinking about this more high level like what have the previous generations done to kind of set millennials up for the way that we are right because Mm -hmm. we were raised by someone it wasn't just you know we just just burst forth from the head of Exactly. So it's A, someone someone raised us and it's like, well, you know, kind of analyzing Luann and her grandson, it's like, well, if her grandson is 23 and he was in his formative years during the recession, I don't think it would be that much of a stretch to, you know, think that he doesn't see the value in putting in the loyalty at a place like Target Mm-hmm. because he saw you know so many of his his parents maybe his parents friends you know the fact that when I was in high school and I'm the same age as this person it's really hard in a way that it wasn't for our parents for teenagers to get employment and for mm-hmm. college kids to kind of have those sort of beginner level jobs at a place like Target that you know hires from different socioeconomic backgrounds and it is really difficult and if you're like well if I like why why what incentive do I have to stay loyal to this place and stick it out and Luann was talking about like her husband he worked for many years at an airline and during the recession he got 30 percent of his pension cut and she was using that as an example of she was talking to her grandson and she was like you're upset over you know not getting your quarter raise and your grandfather took a 30 percent cut in his pension and it's like well that's that's terrible i'm not saying that that's great at all but it's like why are we using that as a bastion for like that's the way the world should be like that's shitty like no one I should be getting pensions or social security right like that that should never have happened and just because he had to go through that hardship and the world was a terrible place when that happened mm-hmm. does that mean that that's the badge of a job well done and that's how everyone should live and if you you know, have the high watermark of suffering and everything below that is not worth questioning or worth looking at. I don't believe that that's the way that we should be looking at it as a generation. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Per usual, we agree with one another. So then the other much shorter story of millennial things from the weekend is we were doing an activity where we stood in a circle 
and this is like a common sort of like icebreaker game where you blow up a beach ball and you have like questions written on it and you pass the beach ball around and wherever your hand lands on you answer the question and it kind of like you know it's like a get to know you game and um one of the questions on there was what do you think i think it was like what do you think about millennials or what is your definition of millennial and the vast majority of the people in the group were millennials like there was a couple older people but it was basically like 18 and 19 year old college kids and then some recent graduates like me people like 23 to like 26 and then there was like a couple older gals but the person who it landed on was in college and you could tell just from the response her response and everyone's sort of lack of response to it that no one like wanted to give an opinion either way like no one even wanted to engage with the question which i thought was very interesting Mm -hmm. um and she landed on it and she was like well i read an article which i've read similar articles and i'm sure we'll talk a lot about these during record a palooza here in a a few weeks but um she was talking friendship palooza um she was talking about how millennials are basically upending certain industries like applebee's is going out of business and millennials Mm. aren't buying napkins because they just buy more paper towel and use paper towel instead of napkins in addition to cleaning supplies like there's whole business insider and buzzfeed articles and stuff you can read about you know i think it's super Mm -hmm. interesting and to me most of them make sense i'm like if i'm already buying huge amounts of paper towel why do i need another special paper product just to have napkins you know i don't buy napkins right so um she kind of brought that up she was like well according to the media like millennials are ruining everything and we kind of all had like a chuckle about that but no one really she didn't really go past that Uh and i think if you are a millennial it's easy like when you get that question to kind of go with the the jokey answer of like well this is what everyone else says about us but no one really takes the time to kind of say I am a millennial I'm proud of it this is what I'm doing I think I have a strong work ethic and especially women too always want to downplay themselves and we talked a lot about that over the weekend and how it's okay to kind of brag about yourself in a nice way and talk about your Mm -hmm. achievements and I think especially millennials because they've seen real hardship through the recession either with themselves or their families and it's really hard to kind of talk about it in a, in a good light. So anyways, those were my two sort of millennial moments from, from the weekend. No, I think that's awesome. And, um, is so important. And I think millennials, especially now that the millennial gender, and one thing I want to, I don't think we have time to talk about today. And it's something I think we should both weigh in on, but you know, millennials are now becoming an older generation and the right. next generation is coming up i wanted to mention that because this girl who was not she was 19 i know how old she is who gave Uh that answer like the person who put the thing on the beach ball assumed that everyone who was like under the age of like 40 i guess was a millennial but this girl is 19 like she was born in like 1998 right which is the very tail end she's the very tail end and some things that you read say like 96 or 98 are the cutoff Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting that college kids aren't even millennials yet. They're still kind of part of the conversation. So it's very interesting. Yeah. And I think there's actually, uh, and Maddie, I'm going to send you some information on this. So listeners get excited. We can talk about it in the next episode. Um, but, you know, they're kind of, they're starting to call this new generation iGen. And, um, it's actually a really short generation. It's like 95 to 2004 or something like that. If you're born in that seven year span um, and and they're totally different than millennials. So I think um, again, millennials are maturing. So it's now time to, for us to step up and be a little more vocal about our own generation. And there's starting to be hard data that's coming forth that's saying, you know, we aren't miserable slackers and the world is a better place because of us. I think it's the opposite. Like this interview is forthcoming. I think in the next week or two, we'll release it. But 
um, the interview I did with my friend Parker, who has been putting himself through school and working on a house that he's building in Detroit. I won't spoil it for you, but um, that was a really great interview that I did while I was home in Michigan a few weeks ago. And, you know, there's some, there's no one that we've interviewed and it's not even just because we're, we're picking and choosing. It's like there, I don't know any millennials, even people that live at home, which we've interviewed people like that as well, that, that are just like a drain on society mm-hmm. that are just like dregs doing absolutely nothing. Right. Like I think yes. Luann's grandson is, is definitely the exception, at least within the mm-hmm. socioeconomic sort of middle-class demographic that we're in. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just think that it's completely false. And I think talking when you get people on the mic, like my parents, like my parents will joke and I'll joke back at them saying that, baby boomers are sucking up all the social security which i firmly believe and that's rooted in fact but Mm -hmm. um when you get people on the mic like they will say it is all individual and Mm -hmm. if you ask them for specifics of like oh why are you shitting on millennials they really don't have anything at least i've found in my personal conversations and through this podcast so whatever man for sure Awesome. All right. So do we want to move to our campfire topic, Shay? Yes, I am very excited about my campfire topic. I'm excited topic. too. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I go first? Yeah, go for it. Excellent. Okay. So I decided to go with something lighthearted. Um, so Love a it. couple, uh, oh, I guess a couple weeks ago, I was came across this article in Jezebel about um, this new British re- reality show. And I have to preface this by saying I'm not a big reality TV person. Um, I did. I am. Enjoy- it's fine. Maddie is. And I did enjoy watching some with her when we were in the golden age of our, uh, our roommate dumb. Um, but I really do like British reality television because it is so ridiculous. And there's just something that people just crack me up. So, I read this article entitled, Bro My God, They're Making a Reality TV Show Called Bromans About Bros Living as Romans. So basically, Dude. they take it, it's amazing. So don't tell Corey, good, this sounds like something he'll watch. Oh, he'll love it. Super good looking British people. And I don't know where they are, but they built like a set that looks like the Roman Coliseum. And then they make them do, um, basically like Roman athletic events, but in oh, addition, so this is to like being, real, like they're actually pretending. Well, this is what's hysterical is they come on with their like girlfriends. So it's like 10 guys and their girlfriends and they're like competing as a couple. Um, and then while the men are doing stuff like we're fighting with swords, the women are like, we're preparing their Roman snacks. Um, and they get like wow. judged. Such patriarchy, much wow. A lot of patriarchy. But what's really this interesting really sounds is, like something Corey would sign us up for behind my back. Exactly. So here is what it said. I'm like laughing so hard. Oh, okay. I can't wait. So ITV says, uh, eight 21st century lads are to be transported. You're very lucky I'm not doing this in a British accent, so I know. Transported back to the Roman Empire to see if they can cut it as gladiators. And then it says, uh, the handsome boys will fight it out with help from their loving girlfriends. They may have the muscles, Barf. but these lads have what it takes to go down in history. Camels will follow eight modern-day couples as they're transported to an ancient world where they'll live and fight like gladiators did 2,000 years ago. And then it says if they win, they take home 10,000 pounds. Um, and it says more about the girlfriends. Uh, the boys' girlfriends will join them on their journey, helping to train and prepare them for the games, as well as immersing themselves in ancient Roman tasks, from winemaking to sculpting. Um, so like I a just lovely vacation. It, sounds like amazing. But what's so amazing, and I'm going to definitely post this on the website, and maybe we can like tweet it. Um, they did it on like the Good Morning Britain's Today show, which. I guess it's the same as today here in the United States. Same name. Um, they interviewed three of the couples and basically, oh my God, they're so sweet and so dumb. And they're like, 
yeah, we didn't really know what we were signing up for. Like they basically thought it was kind of like a bachelor in paradise type thing, except with couples. And then they showed up and they're like, oh, actually you're going to be competing as gladiators. But they're all like very lovely British and like good spirited about it, but it's hysterical. Um, So anyway, I just am very excited and hoping that I can get this eventually on Hulu. Um, And it's very exciting. And then something else I didn't know that apparently this type of thing is a whole, uh, they call it a subgenre of British reality TV. And they have all kinds of shows where they transport people back in time and have very attractive idiots um, pretend to live like they did in olden times. They, so. they have that in America too. Like they, I mean, they're not, it's not as fun and campy sounding as that, but they used yeah. to have this show on PBS. They had, um, they had different iterations of it. The first iteration was Colonial House. Oh, well, yes. Okay, that? so this must be like the British show that they call the Victorian Slum. That sounds awesome. Yeah, they had, I, I believe it was on PBS, they had Colonial House, Frontier House, and Victorian House. And it was basically, it was families. It wasn't couples, but um, yeah, Colonial House was cool because it was it was basically like Jamestown. So it was a whole town sort of thing. And they had to build the town yeah. Frontier House was a little more rugged because it was like each family was sort of on their own and they had mm-hmm. to survive the winter and many Ooh. families did not make it through the oh. winter. The show like pulled them because they were like, you have not, you had to like get so much food and water stored up. Otherwise the show would come in and they'd be like, you only have two thirds the amount of food that your family would need and you're going to starve to death. Like, yeah, it was more so just like a, an experiment, but this sounds much better. I really hope one of the girlfriends comes on the show and is just like, fuck this. I ain't making no sandwiches for my boyfriend. Okay. Well, apparently some of the girls get in a fight. It's very exciting. Oh, this sounds excellent. What is the show called again? Uh, Bromans. B-R-O-M-A-N-S. This sounds delightful. We'll bar- bookmark it. Yes. And I let me see if it says here. I think it's just started. It's just aired. Um, oh, it just started airing in Britain on the 14th of September. So maybe we, we can see if producer Jenny can bootleg it for us. Good idea. Good idea. Producer Jenny is doing well, everyone. She's in Paris being fabulous. Um, and you should all follow her Instagram, which oh, yes. is her travel Insta. Travel Insta. I will. And Jen in Paris. Yes. We'll post a link we'll post to that. Um, all right. So what is your topic, Natalie? Okay. So I'm taking one that was emailed to us by a mm-hmm. fan, a listener, and I'm assuming okay. it was directed towards me, although. Obviously, this segment is more conversational, so we can we can all jump in. But um, someone <laughs> emailed us that they wanted us to talk about Wall Street, and I oh, don't in general. Yeah, I get. We got an email that was just like talk about Wall Street, and I'm assuming because I work on Wall Street, they were just like I, I don't know if they were talking about like the movie or just my experience working there or just like my thoughts on Wall Street in general. But I thought I would uh just touch on all three um right my job i mean i think people think it's a lot more glamorous than it than it is and i could have a whole diatribe on this a whole monologuing episode about it but like people i think especially outside of new york don't realize that finance is an industry here the same way that you know i don't know i'm trying to think of something that's like I don't know, fishing in the Carolinas or something. Like, if you're near the coast, there are fishermen. And it's not, like, to me, that sounds exciting and cool. Like, working on a boat, working outdoors. Like, people don't do that here. It's kind of exotic and exciting and cool. Like, people look at my job and they're, like, that's very foreign and other. And it's a bunch of rich guys with slicked back hair and fancy suits, which, like, there are those people. Don't get me wrong. But it's very much, like there are those people and then there are just the people that work the jobs to keep the lights on and that's kind of what I am which is why I lovingly call myself an office plankton because mm-hmm. um, that's how I feel and I don't think it's a derogatory thing I think it's just I'm working a job in an industry that's very predominant in the city that I live in the same way that if you live in a town and all there is is manufacturing you're not gonna be an actor in that city right mm-hmm. like you're going to work in the factory because that's the industry that's there. So for what I studied in school, working on Wall Street is the best bet for 
sort of just the amount of jobs that there are and the amount of different types of jobs and you know how big the companies are it just made sense for me to work there but I'm definitely not there are people that I graduated with that work at my company that do make more money than I do that Mm -hmm. are making six figures right out of undergrad which is like ludicrous too yeah which like I'm not one of those people but I definitely have more money than the average person in this country will you know see in an annual paycheck ever probably and you know I I definitely am cognizant of that that it's it's an industry that does pay well and doesn't really um I we can depending on if this person wants to email me back and wants me to specifically talk about something but you know I recognize that we're not making a tangible product I do think that the services that financial services and Wall Street provides this country are of the utmost importance. I think, you know, there's a lot of nuance there and I'm happy to talk more about it on the podcast or talk one-on-one with people, but I feel like I'm doing a service, but I'm not really on the front lines and I don't sort of identify with the Wall Street culture because I'm not super rich and I'm working a very, you know, middle-class white-collar accounting job that just happens to be on Wall Street. So that's kind of my experience. The movie Wall Street is phenomenal. Everyone should watch it. I love Leonardo DiCaprio. Has Oh my god. It's really long. Um the book I think is is great as well. Um but there there are definitely people like that. I think that's a bygone era and I didn't really experience it at all. But I think that that culture and those people that might have sort of dabbled in that sort of behavior are around. Mm -hmm. I don't really see it in my day-to-day job because I'm a boring accountant. I'm not out there like wheeling deals or anything, but um, that was definitely a place in time and those are true stories. So I think it's interesting to look at from a sociological perspective. Um, My feeling on Wall Street in general, I don't know. I love it. People come to my office all the time. This might give away where I work, but whatever. (laughs) People feel like Googling. I'm not going to say the name. But um, (laughs) people protest by my office a lot because there's a lot of people that come out of my organization that go on to work in different positions in government and um, stuff of that nature. And, you know, financial services in general, like we're seen as, you know, it's evil and we're taking money out of people's pockets on Main Street, yada, yada. Um, I don't think that people come and protest and. I see them and I hear them and I think definitely there's a lot of ills that Wall Street did, especially during the recession that have made my job a lot harder. I don't think people realize that, you know, when you put a lot of regulations in place and things like that, it it hurts the working people that have to comply with the regulations. It's not hurting the CEOs. It's not hurting the the bankers, so to speak. It's hurting you know, individual people that are tasked with complying with all these regulations or, you know, and a lot of them are just kind of checking the box and don't really do a whole lot. Some of them do, some of them don't. Um, But I think sort of this zeitgeisty narrative of the East Coast being out of touch with mainstream America and the people that work at Wall Street, on Wall Street are don't understand how working people feel. I think that's just untrue because there are working people that work on Wall Street and I consider myself one of those people. You know, I'm not a blue collar worker. I'm a white collar worker, but I am a worker. I get up every day to collect a paycheck. If I lost my job, it would be really hard for me and I would, you know, have to find another job very quickly or start asking friends and family to help support me, which is never fun. Um, But I do kind of live paycheck to paycheck and that's that's just the, the reality. And I think there are people that work at my firm that are from all sorts of walks of life that went to college on scholarships because they were too poor to pay for it, that are from the Midwest, from the South, from all over the world. Like, it's not just people from New York or, you know, your stereotypical thing. And a lot of people that work there don't believe in the Wall Street narrative and they're just like this is the only place that would hire me and this is where my skill sets are and this is the place that would offer me the best living you know so I don't know those are my thoughts what do you think Shay? Um, Those are excellent thoughts and I think um, you know I never really 
thought about it that way, but obviously living in New York or having lived in New York City, I you're right. It's just an industry in the way that anything else is. And, you know, again, and I think this goes back to so much that we talk about um, on this podcast about our nation's need to uh, either vilify or exalt certain things and things just can't exist as they are with both their good parts and their bad parts. Um, and we live in a, a nation where we can freely <laughs> trade commodities and there's nothing wrong with that. And in fact, it's something that our uh, forefathers, you know, fought to be able to do. And it's important as we are, you know, players on the world stage. Um, and, you know, we all engage, engage with it. So I don't know. I mean, I think it was, it, the question is like, talk about wall street. There's so many different things that you can, um, fixate on with that. But, and that's why I think the people, the person who asked the question is like, you know, if I was working in a corporate finance job, which that's, that's what I work in. I, I work in a department that exists in every for-profit company. Every company has a finance department and that's where I work Mm -hmm. at. I just work in a bank, but it's like the fact that it's wall street somehow, you know, I'm happy to talk about whatever, but it's like the fact that it's wall street, people think it's like either this sexy or like taboo thing that I'm going to have some story of like watching people, people do Coke in the bathroom or something, which like, I, I, I don't like the, people that I work yeah. with know how to have fun and we definitely like go out and stuff the same way you would with any coworker. but it's it's definitely not as crazy and sexy and cool as people think mm-hmm. if you think it's cool um but I don't know I just get really irritated because people are like well all these wall street fat cats like like when I walk into work and there's protesters it's like okay well you and I probably make the same amount of money it's just you chose to work yeah. at a different company. I'm the cog in the machine. I'm the worker bee, the same as you. But you're mm-hmm. choosing to vilify me. And it's like no one goes to Dallas and is like, oh, all these rich people in Dallas are so out of touch. Like maybe mm-hmm. you do on a micro level. Like I've talked to Corey about it because he's from Dallas. And, you know, there's always different neighborhoods and different issues with segregation across socioeconomic lines in every city. But it's like you don't have all of these new york times cover stories about how rich people in dallas are out of touch with the rest of middle america it's only new york and la sometimes yeah well i mean i think i have i don't know i have two kind of comments to say on that and first is to go back no industry here's the thing is if you go to work and you work hard no industry is sexy like you can have jobs that you are going to enjoy more than other jobs but any job, whether you're working on Wall Street or you're working at a restaurant or you're doing something that looks really fun and glamorous, like it's still work. Um, and I think it's important that we all remember that. Um, and that doesn't mean that it can't be fulfilling, et cetera, et cetera. So that's just one of my own tangents. And of course, I forgot... Um, Oh, that was what I was going to say is, um, you know, this whole, yeah, you're right. These protesters aren't accomplishing anything by standing out there and protesting a machine that they probably honestly don't really understand the nuances of and the intricacies of it and what those financial machines actually keep running on a grand scale. If you think about businesses that are financed by loans from your particular organization and people like it um, loans and mortgages and blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And yes, it would be great if we could live in a utopian society where the rich people divided their massive amounts of wealth among the plebes. And we all, I don't know, I read somewhere that the amount where money buys happiness is if you're making $75,000 a year and you're no happier if you make any more than that. That's kind of like the tipping point. I don't know. Um, I think that obviously depends a little bit on where you live and the cost of living. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's more so just once you cover the cost of your living expenses and then have a little bit left over for fun stuff. 
Exactly. And I'm sure they use some formula to figure that out. And that's like the average for America or whatever. But you know what? We don't, if we lived in that type of society, it would be a totally different world. And I'm not saying that like things do need to change with the big banks and with certain things that are going on. Um, But it's a more complicated problem than I think a lot of people realize. Exactly. I agree. So feel free to um, send us more questions or contact us if you disagree, because I have but one perspective. And I know we have a big listenership outside of New York. So I just wanted to give that perspective because I feel like Wall Street is one of those sort of made up concepts like the word millennial. It's like it's just a social construct. There is no one place that is Wall Street, like banks and organizations like the one I work for are everywhere. They're in every city. They're all over the world. Like, it's not just a New York thing. They're doing things in places you wouldn't expect in cities in the middle of the country where many of you might live and you don't realize the extent of where they are in your own communities. So, yeah, I mean, my little Midwestern town or university town, um, we had a big business program and I would say a large number of every class went to work for these big firms that Maddie, you and your classmates went to work for. They just didn't do it in New York City. They did it in Cleveland and Chicago and Detroit, you know, in these places where they have these satellite offices, but they're just as much as part of the machine and the machine where then they're taking their money and putting it back in their local economy. So if these things didn't exist, we'd have problems. Sure. And I think it all goes back. I mean, obviously there's nuance with the way people vote on the coasts versus how people, you know, that might have people of the same socioeconomic background who work at the same companies might have completely different lifestyles and political beliefs Mm -hmm. from New York versus these other places like Detroit and Cleveland and stuff, which that can be a topic for another time because I know we're running over and stuff, but I just like to plant the seeds and show people a different side. Yeah, no, exactly. So, sorry, sometimes we talk at the same time and we're working on Yes. This is good. Yay. All right. Uh, so listeners, if you are not following us on the Twitter, do it. Camp We're up to 21 followers, followers, which is good. How many? 21. 21. Yeah, we've Woo! made like a 25% increase, which is pretty good in the past couple weeks. A plus, but we'd love to have more. And uh, Maddie, where should they go to find us on Instagram? Also at camp underscore adulthood. And please rate, review, subscribe, and listen on iTunes. Oh, yeah. If you out how to do iTunes, just go to campadulthood.com and listen there. Do we want to read a review or two while we're closing? Yes. To we'll read a review. People? And for all of those listeners that we've promised prizes, they are coming. You will get them soon. I would say you'd get them, let's say, by Thanksgiving at yeah. the absolute best. So get exactly. excited. Okay. You can re-gift for Christmas. So, oh, did we get another review that I have not read yet? Let's Ooh. see. I think no, it's amazing. Okay. We can read one silly one and one serious one. Do you want the silly one or the serious one first? Serious first. Okay. So this is from Okay. This is from Jay Taunt. Mm, looking forward to y'all getting that blue apron money is the title very much appreciated i recommend this podcast to any youth or real adult out there looking to bridge the gap between their experience and that of the generations that preceded or followed them very intelligent women and a humorous tone throughout makes this a light and joyful listen throughout my day oh thank you jayton that was lovely nice and so now also a five-star review uh, by dot bam it's dot uh, bam. the title is better than sex cool. and it says me and my girl boned whilst listening while whilst listening smoking no, a no, this and lis- what this is not real life someone did not write this. i'll start over me and okay, my girl start. boned whilst listen whilst listening it's very bad grammar whilst listening smoking a fatty and listening to camp adulthood best night of my life See if you can Thank top that, you. listeners. Yeah, top that, listeners. And even if you 
don't want to leave us a glowing five-star review like the ones we just read, um, we might read your one-star reviews if you're like, this is the worst podcast I've ever listened to. Yeah, tell us how much we suck. We love it. All right. Thanks, everyone. Listeners, Natty. I'm blowing Natty kisses over the Skype. I felt it. Oh, she felt it. We might very much change this podcast to the Maddie and Shay Friendship Podcast. We'll see. Yeah, it's happening. It it might be, you know, a special feature that we do in the future. All right. We will see you all soon. Do the theme music. Do the theme music. Do, 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 do,